Hey, this is Peter Dankelson from Pete's Diary, and you're listening to Jay Scott's The Hook Rocks Podcast. Everybody, what's going on? How you doing? Hope everything's doing well, or everybody's doing well. Everything's going well. I'm looking out the window right now at uh, seven inches of snow on the ground, and it's minus 14. The wind chill is minus 30, uh, and it's snowing. And just wondering what time I'm going to go to the beach at uh, this point. But. Uh, our next guest uh, sent me a picture of her view this morning, which was the beach in Southern California. So I'm dreaming of California mountains and the beach. And we welcome back frequent contributor to the Hook Rocks podcast, future live stream co-host, Ms. Christy Amigo. What's going on? Hi, Jay. It's awesome to be back, and thank you so much for having me again. And I'm really sorry that I sent that picture of the beach this morning. It's, it, I, I would like to say that it's cold and miserable, but it, it's not 30 below here. It's about 65, 70, and it's absolutely beautiful. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few <laughs> months sorry. left uh, to before we're enjoying good weather. But, you know, the, the good thing is, is that, the half or half of winter is over here in Chicago. We got another half left. Um, we do have a freeze up here over the next week, which should drop the temperatures in the teens and lower. Uh-huh. And then we're supposed to get a warm up into the mid thirties and, and low forties, hopefully, keeping our fingers crossed. And that's just what we're gonna do. Chicagoans are just are what who we are. And we just you guys are tough, you know. Yeah. I mean it's you know, you're going to go out there and um, have a snowball fight later, right? <laughs> I'm not, but I'm sure people will. Um, my favorite quote was a friend of mine from Nashville, Tennessee. She was coming up here one time to visit some family, and it was snow, and it was like almost blizzard-like. And she texts me, and she's like, what's with people in Chicago driving 70, 80 miles an hour in the middle of a blizzard? <laughs> I'm like, because we've been driving in that since we were 16, you know, we've been used to it. This is no big deal. You know, it's It's another day. Yeah. yeah, It's just another day in Chicago. I got to get somewhere and you're in my way. Go, you know, move over, pull over or drive faster. The weather, the weather is, has no bearing on how fast I drive. Now, you know, when it rains in California, I've experienced that when it rains in California, it is like. People, people forget how to drive. They're like, oh, my, God there's, oh my there's, God, there's water on the road. What do we do? It's a little nutty. <laughs> yeah. So they're either speeding or they're either doing 10 miles an hour. So it's like, you know, yeah. I, I suggest wait a couple hours before driving after the rain in California because what happens is all the oil 
comes to the surface after the first 20 minutes of rain and it's like slip and slide out there. So, well, that's how it is anywhere. Did. Anywhere you go in the United States, it's like that. But that doesn't mean you go 10 miles an hour. So Yeah, I know. There's a lot of problems here, though. But, you know, fortunately, it only rains like once every three, four years here. So we're okay. And then when it rains, you shouldn't be driving anyway because of all the sinkholes and mudslides. <laughs> mudslides. I saw that one yeah. picture of, was it Highway 1 up near San Francisco, mm-hmm. near Big Sur, mm-hmm. or Big Sur, mm-hmm. rather, and uh, <laughs> I was like, it rains and the road gets taken out. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was a big one, huh, too? Yeah. Like, massive. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, every, every place has its ups and downs, you know? Yes, yes. But what can you say? Like to welcome everybody back in, obviously, to the Hook Rocks latest episode. Hook Rocks now part of Pantheon Podcast, and mm-hmm. you can check them out at pantheonpodcast.com. Got some great fellow podcasters out there, like Shout Out Loudcast, Tom and Zeus, and Decibel, Decibel Geek as well, and also the acclaimed author Martin Popoff, who... I hope to at one point have him on the show. So I got to start working on that because he's a really interesting dude. So very cool. Our topic. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank I you. To say before we get in there, it's, it's, it's a big thing, everybody. So Thank shout you. out, you know? Yeah. I, I am really excited and uh, I just love the platform and I love the networking and I got to get more involved in it. You know, I obviously had the health issue in December, so I kind of got stalled and to really kind of diving in. And then January I was playing catch up. And of course I'm busy posting, you know, three episodes a week (laughs) and recording episodes before they air and also doing my real life job. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult, but I'm, uh, I got to start. I'm nine episodes behind, as you pointed out to me, and I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's not a harder work. and There's nobody working as hard. Well, maybe, but I see you work your ass up on this podcast, quite frankly, and it really is paying off. And you do a great job. And I think the response that you're getting, I don't know, from my perspective, is pretty outstanding. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And thank you very much for the kind words. It's... Um... You know, it is a labor of love. I do like talking rock music, whether it's bringing on new bands that people get a chance to discover and have people learn more about them, whether it's great discussions like the one we're going to have today and the ones we've had in the past or talking like, you know, bands like Dokken or Led Zeppelin or whoever, you know, or whatever discussion we want to have. You know, there's always that fun commentary discussion Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's pretty serious because it is about mm. things that do affect yeah. the music community. And then there's also the interviews of legacy artists like we just welcomed in Dean Castronova this past week. You know, we've had Glenn Hughes on. Uh, Todd Kearns was on. Todd Damakerns was on earlier this or back, back in January. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, Joe Satriani, George Lynch. And, you know, those are going to continue as well, and we're going to keep doing stuff. We're going to probably be adding in a new segment, like, once a month where I'm going to just do a whole bunch of album reviews one day. Um, you know, quick 20-minute episodes, just kind of just bang those out and for people to enjoy because, you know, we are we do like to talk about new music, not just new bands and their new music, but also existing artists that have been around that people are wondering, whatever happened to this band? Well, they're still making music, and we want to spotlight those two as well. So, 
it's all that Excellent. combined and and uh no it's it's fun this is a blast and what better things to do during a pandemic when it's 14 degrees outside <laughs> than to talk music right nothing better <laughs> nothing better well the topic today is coming to a live stream near you we're talking about the impact of covid on live music which we've been you and i have been talking about this since the pandemic first started and what the the impact and effects are and people are you know finally starting to catch on and talk about it which is great because more people need to and i know the numbers are going down across the united states hospital rates are going down and that's all positive i just have a feeling that we're not done yet and i have a feeling that these numbers that are coming out i think they're probably going to spike up i'm prepared for for them to spike back up and i hope they don't but just based on history and based on what's been happening it's almost a foregone conclusion that it will now how much it will that's still yet to be determined and we don't know what fully that'll happen you know what will happen um, as a result of that, there's also talks about these mutant strains that mm-hmm. are slowly starting to creep into infections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where does that go? I know there's the vaccines that are out there. Yes, there are some, what do you call it, uh, side effects mm-hmm. to them for certain people, but a very small percentage. I know there's the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that's coming out that supposedly is one shot and it's got like a 99% or 98% uh, or a very high percentage. I shouldn't quote percentages without having it in front of me. What's that What's that comment? 99% uh, of statistics quoted on the spot are, 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 are fake. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, there's know. a lot of promising things out there. The, the Johnson Johnson right. vaccine also claims to be resistant to any mutant strains too as well. So mm-hmm. there are good things happening. Oh, yeah. Um, but as it relates to music and when mm. things are going to get back to normal, I think we're still ways off. And I th- oh, still yeah. think that we're we're mm-hmm. still in that part of the conversation where we don't know what the future is going to be. We know canceled, mm-hmm. you know, concerts have been canceled for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And we're talking late fall into next year at the earliest. There will probably Mm -hmm. be some festivals over the summer in certain states that will have live music. But Mm -hmm. there's also another thing that a lot of people are not talking about, and that's after concerts start coming back. Mm -hmm. Will crowds come back? Will people Mm -hmm. want to come back? We've now been in the house or in some form of a lockdown or you know, it's just doing it on our own for close to a year. Mm-hmm. And we've yep. seen the death totals. We've seen the case totals. We've seen all that happening. And you can bet that there's going to be people that are going to be hesitant for a long mm-hmm. time to mm-hmm. go back to a live show. And what does that mean, mm-hmm. folks? What does that mean? So, sorry I'm being long-winded here, but what that means that the amount of guarantees are going to be lower for artists because mm-hmm. they don't know how many people are going to be back in theaters, in auditoriums, in arenas. We also don't know what the state stipulations are going to be. Are people going to go back to 100% capacity or 50%, 25%? We don't know that. Mm-hmm. We also don't know what, um, you know, again, getting back to the fan. Are they going to be willing to go back? Mm-hmm. 
are they going to be, yeah. you know, the, the, the expectation is people are going to be cautious. So mm-hmm. what does that mean for the bands and the people making music? Are they going right. to be able to tour and expect the same amount of money that they rely on because record sales and selling of the music is not there? So what are they going to do? Live streams mm-hmm. is the option. And live right. streams will be here even if things go back to normal because they discovered a new revenue stream. Oh, and yeah. it's a way to keep a connection with fans and keep yourself in front of your fan group, fan base. And sure. on the technology side, as we keep peeling back the orange, companies like Sony, like the article that you sent me a few weeks ago, are now developing mm-hmm. state-of-the-art technology for sound of either for your television where you can obviously connect your computer or computers to make it sound better and your phone yes so the holy grail right there is they've discovered that most people most people consume music on their phone so what they're trying to do is create a sound environment through your phone that can rival live in concerts that's amazing. So, yeah, I know. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> so, well, you know, Jay, the challenges are so here's some startling statistics. Okay. So, they estimate that 50% of music venues are not going to survive and they're going to close. Now, you know, they're probably over the next three or four years, uh, new clubs will come along and open to fill that vacuum once we can. Uh, get back to live music the challenges are like you just name them all but just think about it most venues even if they're at 80 percent capacity that's a money losing night for them right because they've got so much overhead and you know they need to sell out like i remember i would sell i thought i was doing great selling 600 tickets for a concert right at a at an 800 capacity venue but i lost money you know, because I didn't sell 100%. And if you don't sell out um, at a 800 or 700 seat venue, you're going to lose money. And that was before the pandemic. So if there's a lot of state rights that say you can't have, you know, your 25, your limited capacity, 25%, those clubs, it's just not financially viable for them. So what's going to survive? The big stadiums. And, um, what happened is that that is going to have to become a viable solution in the meantime. And one of the things that indicates that is going to become a huge um, thing is that Live Nation, uh, Ticketmaster, owns Ticketmaster, just bought Beep, right? Um, Beep was started by the guys in Good Charlotte. And it's a, uh, and they've been doing it for a while. Um, they, I think they were, they saw the, they saw this before the pandemic that live streaming can be to music what pay per view was to boxing, right? Um, the technology wasn't there. When you look back a year ago, we were all watching, you know, people in their kitchen on Facebook Live and what have you. And now where we are, where we are today, um, we're not quite where we're going to be with the Sony technology that's coming up, but we have come so far. And one of the things that's really changed is the monetization of live streaming. That has changed a lot. Well, uh, 
I know Spotify is getting involved in monetizing live music. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody wants to get in on this. I mean, once you see somebody like, uh, Live Nation say, oh, okay, so they waited for a year, right? And they looked and they watched. I mean, they're not stupid. Um, they're like, is this going to be successful? Is this not going to be successful? Are we going to go for it? Are we not going to go for it? And I think probably a couple of things that they saw changed their mind. And I would say that BTS's uh, online two-day concert in October and then the one they had previously in June were definitely convincing because the two-day concert um, last October, where tickets were anywhere from forty-four fifty-five to um, eighty-one dollars, and then if you bought the exhibit online exhibit experience, it was ninety-one dollars. They made over thirty-five million dollars. Let me see what I'm going to get. Yep, they so they had nine hundred ninety-three viewers that paid. An average of thirty-five fifty-five for the virtual concert, and they generated in excess of thirty-five million dollars. So, when you see that kind of money out there on live streaming, you know, granted, not we're not in BTS's, you know, wheelhouse. We're not going to watch them, but almost a million people did, and they paid an average of thirty-five dollars a ticket. That's when Live Nation's head goes, "Oh, I'm going to spin around." Okay, yeah, I think we're going to do this. So they made money. But when I was doing my research for this podcast today, um, a lot of this regular average Joe bands that are out there doing live streams, either on YouTube or Vimeo or Twitch, it's kind of a break even or they lose a little bit of money right now. Because it is kind of hard to monetize and hard to get people to come and buy a ticket. One of the things that they're doing, and we talked about it last time, is they have a lot of different tiers now um, for the live streaming experience. You can just buy a ticket and watch the live stream, and maybe you get to watch it for a couple of days afterwards. Or you can buy a T-shirt package or a bundle with the T-shirt and the CD, or you can buy the VIP, hang out with the Zoom before or after the show. So they're really being creative and trying to monetize it. And I have to imagine that if you're like a Blacktop Mojo or, or I'm going to watch uh, These Wicked uh, Rivers next weekend, I bought a ticket for five bucks or what is that? A pound is a little bit more. But they're doing kind of a hybrid thing too, which is interesting. So they recorded a new song live and then they're going to do a little bit of an acoustic set. But they've got interviews and they've got behind the scenes. And then they're going to be offering merch and they're going to have a tip jar. So I think they're thinking like, let's go ahead and do this and, and put the effort and the money into it. Because it's not easy to get all that professional equipment, not cheap to look and sound good when you're live streaming and have the bandwidth upload. So there's some costs that go into it. And hopefully they're thinking they can make it up on merch. Um, I think that has to be a thought, you know, because... Well, how does not, how does someone like Live Nation capture the you know or, or monetize live streaming when a band, especially newer bands, can go on their or you know any band I shouldn't just say especially yeah. new bands any band can go on their Facebook page, yeah. and start a live stream. So yeah, how how is how is Live Nation 
you know, going to be able to get the buy-in of all these bands because if you're a band, you know, whether a legacy band, you know, or a new band, you know, and Live Nation comes in or Spotify comes in and says, hey, you know, we want to we want to uh, promote your live stream. And they'll be like, all right, well, what do you, what's your take? And then they tell them. So mm-hmm. instead of the band keeping all their money, they got to give right. a percentage of it to Live Nation. What's the incentive for the band to do that? I mean, obviously, Live Nation will promote it. but Yeah, that's, that's it. I think that has to be it right there. I mean, they're going to have to give them a guarantee, too. They're going to have to give them a guarantee, you know? I mean, if I'm I'm a band, a new band, I'm not giving up my, you know, rights to have a live stream if you're not giving me X amount of dollars to do it. You know, I agree. I mean, you know, I know that BTS, so their management is just this guy, and he has a company called Big Hit. And um, what he did was Big what? Big Hit. Big Hit. Big B-I-G-H. hits, big, big hits. Hit. Okay, big hit. hits, big hits. All right. Hit. <laughs> no, I have the big hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he's his own dude. He he did his own platform, and you know, I, I am sure that BTS is keeping ninety percent of that money. I mean, you know, he. So if you build your own platform, yeah, and you've got a million or more fans, well, BTS has millions and millions of fans, you can do it. But, right, you know, well, I'm watching a, a live stream today, by the way. I'm watching um, Small Town Titans. I, they're doing theirs on beat, and I'm hoping that they're going to get to keep some of their money. But what is the what would the incentive be for them to go with Live Nation? You know, they've got a hundred thousand subscribers on uh, YouTube. I think their next challenge is getting uh, added to playlists on commercial radio. So I don't know. Does Live can Live Nation come in and saying, "Hey, we're going to support you, but we're also going to you know make sure that you get some radio commercial radio airplay." It's a big Maybe. question. It's a big question. I mean, obviously they're going to have to give guarantees. I mean. You know, the other question is, too, this is also, can they monetize what will likely replace the meet and greets? You know, do you think these bands after a pandemic are, are going to want to, you know, two hours before a show, shake hands and put their arms around nope. their fans prior to a show nope. when a pandemic's going on? Especially if they're a legacy artist like, you know, Kiss or whoever it is who yep. are in their you know late 60s, early 70s, which we know this virus impacts people that age and older more so than younger people. Well, I read a quote from a manager of this act called Bad Bunny. I'm not familiar with them, but, you know, billion-dollar sales, what have you. And the manager said, listen, if we're going to go into a venue and we know that, like, a certain amount of the people are not vaccinated, that it's not going to happen. He's like, we don't care if it's social distance. We don't care if everybody wears masks. We're like, we don't care at all. We're not going in and we're not going to play. And, you know, and that opens up that whole other can of, you know, Live Nation is going to have some kind of vaccination and testing protocol to get into a venue. Um, so that's probably not going to happen for a while, I would imagine. Yeah. Or maybe contact tracing. Contact tracing, right. Yeah. So, you know, that. A lot of performers are going to be like, eh, no, I, I think we're going to skip this. You know, there might be some outdoor concerts and things like that, but 
you know, going back into the arenas, like you said, that's not going to happen for a while. So I think Live Nation sees that coming. And I think maybe they think, or I don't know if I was them, I'd say, listen, we don't know how we're going to monetize this completely. We don't know how we're going to make money for ourselves and make money for the bands. But I think Live Nation is a bunch of smart business people who see the future. And I think that they're, you know, with the combination of maybe the new Sony technologies that's coming out. I mean, because you look at the technology over the last year, oh my God, it was terrible when it started a year ago. Live Nations were like, ah, I mean, not Live Nations, yeah, live concerts on Facebook, they weren't always great. The last three or four live stream concerts I've seen have been fantastic. Just really great sound, really great visuals, totally pro shot, you know, and it's great. And so, especially, you know, Amex is involved with it too, and they were putting on, they have a series of concerts. They're totally pro. So I think that they must know or yeah. think that they can figure out how they're going to make money live streaming because I think that it's probably another, you know, another, like you said, a revenue stream for every band to think of now as they move forward when live comes back. Well, it's a you revenue know, stream it, for the bands and it's a revenue stream for whoever, you know, has the platform they're playing on. Because you have to exactly. think, too, like you said, big businesses are smart. They have focus right. groups. They have people that do the analytics on these things. They do all mm-hmm. this stuff because they have shareholders. Most of these companies are publicly oh, yeah. traded companies. And even if they're privately yep. owned companies, they still have a vested interest to make money, right? So oh, they pour a, a lot of money into research. And uh-huh. You know, companies that are affected by live music and music in general are pouring millions of dollars into research about what the future is going to be, not just for the short term, but for the long term. You know, we always say the same thing, right? You know, watching a baseball game or a sporting event on TV is a completely different vibe than it is watching it at the stadium, right? That goes without saying. You know, you mentioned boxing at the beginning. Boxing is much different when you're seeing it live than you are on TV. However, both of those, boxing and, oh, I should include it in sporting events, all sporting events thrive on broadcasting, on television. You know, so to think that music can't, I think that you're, you're in a losing argument. Music will thrive as people make the decision to stay home more. You know, look at, look at movie theaters, right? There's no better experience watching a movie than on the big screen. Okay. Agreed. Have there been new movie theaters opening up over the last five, six years? No, not really because of Netflix, right? Because of, because of the platform, the ability to stay home and watch something, it's cheaper and you don't have to go out, stand in line, buy concessions and all that stuff. It's cheaper. Okay. Oh, wait. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine you take out your family for um, your two kids and your wife for a movie on a Saturday night. That's going to set you back $7,500. Well, in California. <laughs> Southern California, for sure. Plus parking. <laughs> you know, we're not saying that watching something on your computer or on, te- on television is better than going to see a live concert. No, it's, nothing's ever going to replace that. Yeah, no, nothing can re- replace what it's like to see a band live and the energy that exists in a live arena. But we are faced with the circumstances we are faced with. And whether people want to believe it or not, 
this is going to change how people do things and how much people go out, how much money they spend, because people are worried about the next one and they're worried about oh. getting sick. And, and people are broke. Right. You no, know? I mean, I could listen. I'm holding tickets. I'm holding four tickets to Pearl Jam. And one of those is supposed to be in June in Amsterdam. I doubt seriously that's going to happen. Nothing will ever, ever replace the experience. I've seen, I've seen thousands of bands live, just thousands. The only major band I've missed is U2 um, in, the, in the last 20 years. You see Pearl Jam, and that is like a religious, spiritual experience. And I recommend everybody watch the home show uh, on Nug TV. The tickets are on sale. It's from um, August the 10th, 2018. It's almost a four-hour show. It's one of the best shows I've ever been to in my life, period. Nothing will ever replace that. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that may never come back like that for a while. Like you you said, it's going to come back modified. But I think what's not going away is the option for them also to live stream that concert. That concert would have been a live stream. They did it to raise money for a homeless in Seattle, and they raised $11 million. And I'm thinking, wow, if they could have live streamed that, maybe they could have doubled the money, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that has to be how large companies like Live Nation are thinking. They're, they're thinking, wow, Molly Crew's going to go on tour when that thing is, you know, ready to go. And they're, gonna, they're sold out, and there's millions of people around the world that can't get tickets. So why don't we offer that as an opportunity, you know, for them to see the band and also we're going to add revenue to, you know, this particular concert. So why wouldn't they do it? Yeah. I mean, it's another way, you know, to grow revenue, as you said, you know, it's, it's kind of like having your own pay-per-view event in, (laughs) in your own local town. So, you know, if you don't want to go or maybe you're sick and you can't go, you know, be, you know, we we couldn't go if you're sick. If you got you know pneumonia or bronchitis or whatever, you don't feel good, and you got tickets. Oh man, I can't go here. You want these tickets? Go to the show. But then you're left with nothing. You can't you can't watch. Now, if these venues right. have state of the art cameras and technology, you can pay ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever it is, and you can see the band. You know, you can see the band live. What you're missing, and, and of course. People will always say, oh, man, I can't believe I'm missing this live. But you still get to experience the band and hearing their music. The other advantage is, too, in terms of just the band, we always complain about how bands don't change up the set lists and, (laughs) you know, they're always playing the same show. If live streams really do have an impact and people are able to view concerts from their home, you can bet bands are going to have to change up and make different shows instead of having the same show over and over again. Yeah, if they're not, that's where if they're just broadcasting it live. Um, but like you said, there's this whole there's a whole bunch of different business models of live streaming that are coming in. I I watch live streams all the time. I got to tell you, I just you know for me. I'm one of those people, maybe I don't want to, I'm, sometimes I'm claustrophobic. I don't, I like to be all the way in the back, <laughs> near the exit. <laughs> and so going to a festival, I wouldn't go to Coachella if you, you know, paid me and gave me VIP tickets. There's no way. And I, I'll go to Ohana 
Um, but it's only because it's right down the street from me and it's at the beach and I can separate myself from the crowd. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people that just don't want to do that ever again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the companies are figuring out, Hey, why don't we give them an opportunity to see their favorite bands live? So hopefully, yeah, the bands are going to be like, Oh, wow, we are live streaming. We got to keep this fresh. But then there's hybrid models. Um, Alistair Green, he's a blues guitar player. He played with um, Alan Parsons, real good guy, real good guitar player. He did a live stream, but it was he recorded a, an entire set live, pro shot, and then um, had a premiere. Everybody tuned in, and he was on the chat chatting with everybody. You know, um, I think you know who else did that was Tyler Bryant. He did a very similar thing. He they recorded the new album live, and then they had a a hybrid live stream. So they were in the chat room all talking and having fun and doing behind the scenes. They, they cut in interviews. I mean, they really gave the viewer something very interesting to watch. And, you know, I'm sure. And I, I mean, I gave him a tip, you know, I paid for the ticket and I gave him a tip. So I'm hoping that they are making some money during this, but I think there's going to be a lot of different kind of models moving forward, you know, with live streaming because listen to some of these statistics so this is from MIDIA media they do music research Um, music live streaming market live streaming ticketing revenue in 2020 was 0.6 billion dollars with a B right Um, that's a huge number and I'm sure that I got every music live music executive head just spinning around going, oh, my God, what? we need to get in on this. The, what do you think the gender split is in live stream concert attendees, Jay? What's the, what, like, what's the demographic between male and female? Yeah. What do I you would, think? I would think, I would think it's close to 50-50 during a pandemic. It's uh, 61 to 39, and that would be male to female. So more guys believe it. I thought it would be the other way around, but isn't, isn't that interesting? More guys are tuning into live streams than women right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it depends, I guess, on what what live streams they're talking about. I mean, are they talking about rock music? Are they talking about, you know, what genre of music would be my next question on that? You know, how is that broken up? It was all virtual concerts. The reporting included revenue forecast and vendor mapping. Um, so this was, in general, everybody in one bucket. But they did say that paid attendees of Niall Horan live stream, 135,000, right? Um, Five million total attendees of, um, do you know who Dua Lipa is? She's kind of a, she's a, you know, I guess it's electronic music. I don't know. No, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's something that I wouldn't pay for, but five million people did, you know, and that's a lot of people. I mean, can you? I mean, I think any band in would be super excited to have those kind of numbers, you know. Where the heck did that go? Well, when you also think about how boxers get paid on pay per view events, right? You know, think right. about how much See? money Mike Tyson and. Roy Jones Jr. or whoever, you know, walks away from, you know, a boxing match, what, 25, 30, 45, 50 million dollars, you know? I mean, 
And that's the other thing, too. You mentioned people can't go. What about people overseas in other countries? Who, oh, yeah. Oh, God. You know, who's the, the band's not going to be touring this area yep. of the world on yep. this tour. I mean, that's a, yep. I mean, you're right. I mean, it opens up so many avenues. So that's why that reason alone, that reason alone, the money to be made, the revenue to be made, it's here to stay. It's not oh, going yeah. anywhere. And, you know, what does that mean, too, as well? Does that mean bands because they've got the guarantee of the pay-per-view or the live stream, you can now do less dates, especially for an older band that's, like I said, older 60s, early 70s. Instead of them doing 50 tour dates, they're doing 25, exactly. they're doing 30, and they're making their money up on the live stream. Or, you know, with a new band. I mean, think about a new band. We talk about the, the new rock scene being global. Right, because you oh, can yeah. you can release your music. You can be in New York. You can be in Chicago, California. You can release your music in those cities, and you can touch everybody in the country, everybody out of the country, in different places. In different places. So that really is the same philosophy. You have a live show of a band that you found because you're on the Hook Rocks Twitter feed, or you're on Christie's Twitter feed, and you see a new band that they were posting and you know that they're not going to come to Athens, Greece or Dublin, Ireland or Vancouver, mm -hmm. Canada or heck, you know, Portland, Oregon. They're not going to play there. Guess what? You pay 10 bucks, you can see a band playing in Appleton, Wisconsin or Chicago, Illinois. So it's oh. it's really it's it is here to stay for that very reason. The money to be made plus the footprint and the pull that you can get from a whole different audience, it's um, it, it may impact the bands negatively in the beginning as people are trying to figure it out. But this mm -hmm. is a way, way new way. I shouldn't say that. This is a new way to mm -hmm. make money. And oh, yeah. if, if bands want to keep making CDs and music and albums... It's going to be, it's going to be here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Oh, absolutely not. And you know, um, oh, I watch I watch this live stream on Facebook. Oh, they do they oh they do it on their YouTube. Marissa and the Moth. Like once a month, they do a Saturday Saturday night for them, and it's twelve noon for us and oh, for me on the West Coast. And they're fun. And it's an acoustic electric and they have some wine and they chat and they, they're interacting with their fans. We're all in the chat together. And it's, it's really fun. But what's come from that is they're doing that for free, but guess who pre-ordered their CD? You know, who, guess who gave my tip? Guess who bought it, a beanie from them? You know, and I think those are the peripherals, right? So it's not just even the music. It's reaching markets all over the world and that you can also sell your merch to, you can sell vinyl. I mean, you know, the only thing I, I can think about live streaming is why wouldn't you, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's just no way that you wouldn't. And so bands and and so one of the things that's happening, because I think a lot of people think, hey, yeah, we're going to do this. I mean, that's a lot of money, over half a billion dollars. You can't say no to that. And the thing is, is you're going to see more and more platforms available for the pay-per-view, for streaming. And they're going to be there. The bands are going to do it themselves. They're going to go to a vendor. Uh, they're going to have a sponsor like Amex or Harley Davidson. 
And that's also another way to do cross promotion. If you think about it, that's a great way for like Harley Davidson to reach people all over the world by, you know, sponsoring somebody like Dirty Honey, right? So um, I just see there's going to be more opportunities as time goes by. And this, this will be, you know, in a year and we have this conversation, we're probably going to say, wow, they really kicked it into high gear over the last year. You can also do the option of what bands you want to see, right? So you oh, have yeah. you have the 8 o'clock hour, which is <laughs> th- three bands that you can choose from. You can choose one band out of the three. And then at the 10 o'clock hour, you can choose a band playing on the West Coast, and you can see them, too, on the same night. So, oh, yeah. and then you can I've get discounted if you, if you, and, and you can actually tour, quote unquote, air quotes are out on, on this tour that I'm talking about. You can have two bands that are in two different places, be on a tour and do gigs. Now those gigs are going to have to be different. What's going to be special from gig A to gig B to gig C, you know? So they're going to have to do a lot of different things, but you can put, you know, like a band like South of Eden, who's based in Columbus with a band like Joyous Wolf, who's based in yep. Long Beach. You know, south of Eden goes on at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Joyous Wolf goes on at ten or you know eight o'clock Pacific Time or whatever the case is, right? So you have that option to do that, and it's also what else is going to come too is bands are going to be coming together, or studios are going to be renting out these warehouses or even old theaters to have yeah. these events because yeah. you can. You know, even if no one's in the crowd, they're still on a stage. They still have a pristine, you know, um, sound quality. And if they want to go the virtual reality route, which I still think is a little bit ways off, especially with concerts, um, you know, that's going to they need they need special equipment for that. And that costs more money. Um, Plus, I just don't know how virtual reality would work with a concert. yet. I need to you know, I know people have talked about it, but. I think live stream is pretty much the beginnings of, of what's to come. We're, yeah, we're, we're at the beginning stage. I mean, we're, what we're doing is we're, we're watching. We are at a time in history right now that we are actually watching this being born. You know, I remember when it was like, this is how old I am. You know, when HBO started having the boxing and then there was a, then there was pay-per-view boxing. And, you know, and I can tell you all of my friends, and all of everybody I knew did the pay-per-view boxing and had a party around it, you know, and maybe with the vaccine, people can gather at houses and watch a a concert, a virtual concert, you know, maybe that part of the dynamic moving forward, you know, I was going to say, you're totally right. I would love, I would pay this money to see Joyce Wolf followed by um, South Eden. I would love that. That, that is such a great idea. You know, and hopefully there was somebody there thinking about doing that so that we can all enjoy that. <laughs> That's well, great. And also, too, think about these streaming platforms like Netflix or Disney oh, yeah. or HBO, oh, yeah. where you oh, yeah. can sign a band up like, you know, Aerosmith or Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and they can mm-hmm. sign an agreement that they're going to do all of their albums in their entirety on different nights on Netflix. So. You know, Foo Fighters, I don't know how many albums they have. They have 10 albums. So yeah. every every week, they're going to have another album that they're going to do live in their entirety. And they're just going to play that album live. And you can, 
you know, pay a premium for that or that be part of your subscription. But that's also another avenue too as well. Don't think that that's not going to happen. There's so many things oh. you can do with music, especially if the technology is going to be there with sound. That um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the middle of that revolution right now. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that it was there, and I think some forward-thinking people like the, the guys in Char, uh, Good Charlotte were they were already there, and there was a couple people that were ahead of the game, right? Um, but that's exactly where it's going. You know, absolutely. And I read an article that said there's a comp- there's a couple companies out there. They didn't name them that they do want to be the Netflix of live streaming concerts. So like you tune into Netflix and you watch movies. Now you can tune in and there's like you know 20 stations and they've all got different live streaming concerts on it. Right. And then you could From buy a separate world. tier. You could buy a separate tier for your right. subscription. Think about how think about how streaming services make money think now right now think about how live streams are going to make money so you pay yeah. 10 bucks a month and you mm-hmm. have free access or not free but mm-hmm. all the access you want of bands that they have on their roster now the question is is that how are they are they going to squeeze these bands like they're they're going to try to do that you know they're going to try to do that they're going to try to squeeze these bands but if the bands and the artists hold tight and say, no, I want a guarantee of such a percentage. I don't want point yeah. zero 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 one of every dollar. I want, you know, 25, 30% of what you make on your pay-per-view or I'm doing this on my own. Okay. There you go. Exactly. You know? And there'll yep. be, there'll be promoters that do like, just like for every live nation that's out there, there, uh-huh. there are go- there's going to be 10 smaller market, quote unquote, smaller yep. market promoters that take those bands that yep. are not going to be on that platform because they're not paying that much out. And yep. they're going to they're going to grab those bands up and they're going to do that because the bands are going to hang on to more of their money. So the vultures will be out like they always oh, yeah. will be. But like the you know, the musicians and the artists did not stand together against these streaming services. But. Yeah, you know they don't do anything to pour money into different platforms to get more money. They, that's yet to happen on a consistent basis. With this live yeah, they music, just, they need to do that. They need to hold the line because if they're going to do this and basically give their work away for free, like they are on Spotify, there's and nothing Vegas, left for them. Follow, you know, stop begging me to go like your damn song on Spotify. Um, all right, so do it yourself, man. Go look at Small Town Titans. They got their own fan club. They just hit 100,000 um, subscribers on YouTube. They're doing their own platform. They're doing their own live streams. Tonight, they're doing the album front to back. It can be done. You can do it. And if you keep giving in to tech companies and big, large companies, you know, and complain about it, I don't care if you want to give in to them. Don't complain about it, right? Don't say, oh, man, these streaming services don't pay any money or they make any money on live stream. You know, be creative, right? Yes, bands yes. in town, by the way, bands in town, there are going to be a ton of mid to small level players, right? And one of them is bands in town. I think they're actually not too small. Maybe they're medium at this point. Um, they rolled out a subscription service, 10 bucks a month, access to all their library they're going to be doing live streaming they've got blogging they've got podcasting they've got music they've got newer bands they have some legacy bands but um in june of 2020 
um, the percentage of bands in town live stream listings that were ticketed June of last year, 1.9 and November of last year, 40.7. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, getting back to one of the things you said also earlier in the conversation was bands are not going to go to these clubs and get on stage if, you know, they're not checking people for the vaccine. And obviously oh, Live, Live Nation came out with something a few months ago about possibly, yeah. ha- you know, demanding proof from concert goers yeah. if they've been tested yeah. within a certain period of time right. or, you know, they've gotten the vaccine. Well, there's there's going to be a pushback with that because people don't want their medical records. They don't want to have to show their medical records and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I totally understand that. That is mm-hmm. personal and, and you shouldn't be feel forced to do that. But then there's contact tracing. And I know there's right. people that are against contact tracing when they say, oh, I don't want the government to know where I was and who I was around. I got, I got a secret for all the people that think that. They already know. I know. They already we're, know. We're, 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 being, we're being tracked on our phones. <laughs> tracked on your phones, tracked on your bank card, tracked in your car. I mean, you know, you've got a GPS thing on the console of your car. Most new cars have yeah. it. How do you think that they yeah. know what streets you're passing? Okay. They know where you are. They know where you are. When you go to your bank and you and you and you make a purchase on your bank card, that bank knows you were at this store, you bought this with this much money and 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 whatnot. They know. They know who you're talking to. They can listen, you know, I mean that whole thing too, which is a topic for another show, you know, streaming services now being able to listen to what bands you're talking oh. about so they can recommend, which obviously oh. scares the shit out of me, but you know, that's I mean Contact tracing is is to me, it's no big deal because they we're, have, we're already traced. 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 Yeah. Okay. So so, so yeah. you know this whole thing. Big government's watching with contact tracing. Big government's uh-huh. already watching. Already watching. They're already you know. So I lived in New York City, man. The minute I walked outside of my apartment in Queens, in Astoria, Queens, I was on camera. I was on camera every single second that I was walking in New York or out or anywhere, you know, and plus combined with my phone, (laughs) we are traced constantly. So I, but you know what though, this is America and people are going to have concerns about that. And they should. And I'm not saying their concerns are not warranted, but you know, you can't be posting on Facebook, checking in at a (laughs) restaurant (laughs) and complaining that contact tracing gives people you know, it gives the government your whereabouts, you know, of what you're doing, you know, you're already yeah. being traced on Facebook. You're being traced. They, they know where you're, where you're, where you're at when every time you post on social media, everybody uses okay. social media. So okay. yeah, everybody has a right to be concerned about that. Very right. true. But you know, it's, it's almost like someone complaining about getting the vaccine when they drink six cans of diet Coke every day. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't know what's in there. I'm not putting that in my body. You don't even know what's in Diet Coke and you're drinking six of those things a day. You know, they call, yeah. they call Diet Coke liquid cancer for a reason because of yeah. all the crap that's in it. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it's just funny how people perceive things and what their perception is. But, yeah, I mean, contact tracing t- to me, I mean, do I want to charm, you know, the, the, the bell to go off on my phone every time I'm next to someone who's had COVID or been around someone who's had COVID? Absolutely, I want that. You know, for me, that's but that's my personal choice. Right, I agree, and you know, and a lot of concert going is going to be up to personal choice, 
right? It's like, you know, for me, I want to see live music again. Obviously, it's, you know, even if I'm at the back of the concert, whatever, I want to go. I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm not a real big vaccine person. I don't really get the flu vaccine. I haven't had the flu in like 25 years, so I don't really want that. But, you know, I mean, everybody's going to have to decide for themselves, you know, if you're in the music industry, if you want to go see a concert, you know, if you're a performer, if you work in a, in a venue, you know, and then, and listen, that goes back to employment law, you know, my day job, is in HR. So the question is, can employers require you to have a vaccine to come to work? So what if half your staff at the forum says, you know, F it, I ain't getting no vaccine and, and you have problems staffing events. I mean, you know, we're, we're dealing with that. If we ever get back in the office, which I doubt it, by the way, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. But if we do, can we as an employer, can Live Nation require everybody that works for them to be vaccinated? I think, it, what did I see where a company was going to give their employees like $100 to get the vaccine? Each employee, if you get a vaccine, you're going to get an extra $100. Oh, so, wow, incentivizing. Yeah, so they're going to incentivize it before they demand it. If, if it doesn't, if the incentive doesn't go over very well, then they're going to start demanding it. Um, you know, but can you legally re- so I see lawsuits is what I see you know because HR I see people saying you can't make me get a vet but as an employer we we're, we can say yes we can you know we can require people to get a drug test to work you know we can require you to get a vaccine you know what if half the people that you were have on your staff or that want to come back to work for you refuse to get a vaccine. Well, obviously they're not going to work. Um, staffing is like a huge problem in some of these places. Now everybody's unemployed. You would hope that people like barbacks and door guards and security guards all get vaccines so they can work at these venues, but you never know, you know? Yeah. You really don't. It's yeah. unknown. You, they say something like 40 to 60 percent of Americans are not interested in getting vaccinated. <laughs> I just saw a stat today that the, that, that over 60 percent were. So I think that's changing. I think in the beginning, people were okay, were hesitant. But I think as time has gone by and people want to get back to some sort of normalcy, I think that's going to change. And I think if there's options out there with the vaccines, I think that's better for everybody. You know, if somebody wants the Moderna, the Pfizer, or the Johnson & Johnson one, you know, you you have options what's better for you to do. So, you know, I think there's been a small percentage of people who've had the side effects. We've all read about those, and everybody, oh, yeah. then all, you know, automatically assumes that that's everybody's getting this, but it's not the case. No, no. You know, I met with my infectious disease doctor because I had an infection in December, and I asked her about the vaccine and without hesitation she said there's more of a risk of you of what happens if you get covid than there is right. of getting the vaccine and that's all i need there to you, hear, go. you know so yeah so you're gonna get it yeah, my so. mom had a bad reaction but after two days she was fine she got the moderna they have to go back for the next one i'm looking forward to the johnson and johnson but you know a lot i mean the thing is it's like it's not mandated in america so you know but it is definitely a hurdle to getting back to live music indoors in arenas and in 
you know, like uh, the El Rey. I'm not going to the El Rey. I'm not going to the House of Blues in Anaheim, even if it opens, knowing that there might be a certain amount of people who really aren't vaccinated, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's where I, you know, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I hope the House of Blues is going to live stream this because I really want to see Dirty Honey or South Eden, whoever's playing. And I think for so many people, it is such an awesome option, right? I mean, people are paying up to $90 for a two-day live, you know, online ticket, right? So that's some real money. I pay probably 40 bucks. Have you watched any live streams, Jay? I have. What have you been watching? Uh-huh. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I watched the South of Eden one and a couple other bands. You know, I, it's hard for me because I go to so many concerts per year, as you do. So yeah. there is a little bit of hesitation. However, as time goes by, I do want to see live shows. I do want to see live concerts. But I need to upgrade my sound system on my computer and in my house for me to really appreciate it. I don't really don't want to get too far into it because I don't have the sound system that will satisfy me. Right. So that's the whole, this is the key, right? And this is where some of the technology is um, holding people back because the number is only 9%. Uh, it was a uh, percentage of consumers that attended a live stream concert last year was only 9%. So that's pretty small. Uh, one of the things that's holding them back is that not every technology, like there are some platforms I cannot pass to my big screen. So I just moved so everything's in boxes. So I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch small town times today on my laptop, but my laptop is a digital audio workstation. So it's got pretty good sound, but it, it's not going to be the same, right? I have a 16-inch TV and a surround sound and an equalizer, and so I can really dial in the sound. It's really important to me because I do a lot of audio engineering on the side. Is that I have to have that really great sound, you know? So that is all dependent on the consumer, right? You know, they can broadcast in high def and they can, you know, 5.1, whatever surround sound. But if you can't receive that. It's just going to not be enjoyable, at least for me. I guess some people could watch it on their their phone or on their laptop and, and be okay with subpar music, but I'm not one of them. It sounds like you're not either. But once you dial that in and you have the surround sound and you have the big screen, it really does change things, you know? It's, it's never going to be the same day, but it's, for 20 bucks, I'm satisfied. You know, I'm, I'm, I think I got my money's worth. I'm happy. And I don't walk away from it going, oh, that was a waste of money. I haven't said that yet. And I have watched live streams. I don't, I can't even, I was trying to list them all, but it was just kind of embarrassing. So I was like, okay, maybe I won't list all the streams I've seen in the last year. But I would say I've watched four to five a week for the last year. Yeah, it'll, it definitely will be interesting to see where this goes and how, Bands capitalize on it. You know the big exactly. companies are going to try to capitalize it, but as we said, you know the artists need to really hold the line and really invest in the time to research what your options are. You know, I mean, if it's all about the guarantee, you know, I mean, they're going to want to try to pay you 
a certain, you know, a certain percentage of how many people buy tickets. But you have to remember, if you're doing that, you are basically committing to that and it handcuffs you to do anything else. So if you're going to do something with Live Nation or someone else who's doing this promotion and they're only giving you X amount of dollars for each ticket sold on a pay-per-view or live stream platform, you won't be able to really do anything else to make up for that money if you're not making what you expect. So there has to be some sort of guarantee from the artists on this. Or hold the line and find a platform that will work with you and promote you and pay you what you're worth and what your music's worth and what your live performance is worth. Yeah, it's going to be tough, you know, but uh, here's some of the live stream platforms that are out there right now. So it's uh, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Insta Live, LinkedIn Live. I'm like, who would you a content on LinkedIn Live? But anyway, <laughs> Twitter Live, TikTok Live. Uh, TikTok, by the way, is apparently a great place to discover new music and all the A&R reps from all the majors are over there watching TikTok. So if you're a band and you're just starting out, you might want to aggressively promote yourself over on TikTok. Snapchat. Also, too, also, too, you know, we're speaking about promoting, uh, you know, on TikTok and and on Twitter and all this stuff. Bands that are listening, be careful with those that claim so many views or or whatever on an automatic clip. You want engagements. You don't want automated stuff. You don't want that to be Mm -hmm. what someone's selling you on. Because when you're scrolling through a feed and things start to play on an automatic play clip or whatever, it's already, you're scrolling by it, it starts playing. Even though you're not listening and you're scrolling by it, it's a play. It's not an engagement. So be wary of that when someone tries to sell you on that because that's not a true engagement. That's not what you want. That's not going to turn your music into money. Engagements right. are. Remember that. Yes. Right. Exactly. And there's a difference between followers and fans. Okay. Huge difference. You obviously want to grow your followers, but you want to convert them into fans. Fans will support you. What does support mean? Support usually means financial assistance. That is how you want to support your fans that you love. So always be thinking about engaging your followers to convert them to fans. That is the model. I keep pointing out Small Town Titans, and I think them and uh, Blacktop Mojo, uh, South of Eden, Joyous Wolf. I think those bands are doing really great. I, but I think two of them are on small labels, right, or big labels. But here's the weird thing: even when you're on a big label, you still got to take care of all your own business on social media. So, if your band is starting out there, man, just really work and growing your own stuff and not worrying about the middleman. You know, I watch tons of bands do their own live stream thing. And I paid for the ticket every time and given them a tip on that. So, you know, it is definitely a way to go. Uh, some other places you can um, stage it, the Nugs. And Nugs does a weird thing. Sometimes they're live, but they have a great catalog that they stream every now and then. Or you can buy a subscription and, like, maybe you want to watch the Eagles from, you know, the forum a couple years ago, whatever it is. And they've got the rights to that and they can show it. You know, you can have a little concert on a Saturday night, even though it's not live. It was recorded live, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Amex Live. Um, that's a corporate sponsorship, and they're out there. They, I think they did do do a Lipa, and they did a show with Big Rack out of, up in Canada, which was hilarious and fun. And that was at a a drive-in, which is crazy. I'm gonna watch. I watched something the other day. Fraser Taggart. I watched um, Fantastic Negrito do a live set. Really, really good. Uh, Vimeo Live. Wowza. Un- Unscreen, Bright Cove, the cast. So those are just a few, and I have a feeling, Jay, it's going to proliferate as this gets better and easier. And so uh, my conclusion is that live stream is here to stay. I think it's a new opportunity for business and bands to add to their uh, revenue stream. And I think it's going to get better uh, for the consumer as we move on. I agree. I agree, and that's a perfect place to end this part of this conversation because I'm sure we're going to revisit this and continue this discussion as the year moves forward and if there's new developments in live streaming and what's happening. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be news about this in the upcoming months, and we're all ready to see where things go, and there's no really live shows or tours planned for spring and at least the first part yep. of the summer. I know people are hoping to get out there at some point this year, but um, I don't think it's going to happen, folks. I really don't. I don't either. Yeah. Nope. I, I just don't think it's – I don't think, in my opinion, I think it's the earliest we'll see live shows is spring of 2022. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just it's, – it's so risky. And, you know, the, the risk doesn't outweigh the benefit. It just doesn't. Uh, I'm as much as I love live music, as much as I want to see program, I'm not going to go into a crowd with, you know, 15,000 people. Not even if it was 5,000 people, even if it was five, no, you get it down 50. No, I'm not. I, I'm not even comfortable with like five or six people. I don't know. You know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, you know, I'm totally comfortable because I have, I have, taking the time to say, oh, let me set my system up so that like I can stay home and save money and enjoy myself and save my health and not risk, you know, my life or anybody else's life. So. Well, Christy, it's been, yeah, I agree. It's been a great (laughs) conversation, been a great discussion as always. You always bring it. No one does it better than Christy with bringing facts and information on this podcast. (laughs) She's fantastic, and she's absolutely a joy to talk to and a big, huge benefit for the music fan that's out there listening. So thank you again. Thanks, Jay. You're the best. Well, thank you. I am Jay Scott. I'm also the best, according to Christy. And (laughs) you've listened to another episode of The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast, now on Pantheon Podcast. You can catch them on uh, other podcasts as well on PantheonPodcast.com and on Twitter at Pantheon Pods. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at The Hook Rocks. There's also a new Hook Rocks Twitter feed. It's all our archive sites. Those are going to be coming up and going and going to be posted as we move forward. So I think there's three on there now, and that's The Hook Rocks Pod. So that's all our archive shows. We've got 176 shows, so... Eventually, they'll all be on that feed. So look for that and give that a follow as well. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. We will talk again soon. Stay safe out there and uh, keep listening to music. I'm a soldier. I'm in the trenches, fighting every day to succeed. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.